business, leadership, high performance, the journey. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, We have a fantastic episode today. So my guest today is a best-selling author, keynote, and TEDx speaker. She's also the host of the Creating Confidence podcast, uh, which she's had numerous world-famous guests on, uh, including Chris Voss, Jamie Kern-Lima, Les Brown, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, as well as multiple successful billionaires. So uh, definitely quite the list there. And as a former C-suite executive in media, she was named one of the most influential women in radio in 2017. And Thrive Global named her a limit-breaking female founder in 2018. Uh, She was named one of the top 40 female keynote speakers of 2020 by Real Leaders. And her new book, Overcome Your Villains, Mastering Your Beliefs, Actions, and Knowledge to Conquer Any Adversity, is available now uh, for pre-order. So welcome to the show, uh, CEO and founder of Boss in Heels, Heather Monahan. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Heather, I got to start out by uh, saying I'm super excited today to talk confidence. Um, and I know that's that's your big area of expertise with a few books, um, one on the way here very shortly coming out. Um, and I got to say as well, I'm extremely, I'm pumped and I'm also humbled to have, uh, man, a professional of your caliber on the show, Heather. You know, it's funny. Thank you. But it's funny. I'm not an expert in confidence. I wrote a book about confidence in 2018. And what I would say I'm an expert in is sales and sales leadership running companies. I have 25 years experience doing that. So I only have a couple years experience talking about confidence. But it's it's interesting how from, you know, a connection standpoint or how it was relevant at the time, it's just really the confidence book. My first book just really overtook everything else and all my expertise in my past business life. It's, it's kind of funny. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to, to jump into your journey here. So let's go back to the very, very beginning of your journey, Heather, kind of your roots, where you came from growing up. Um, take us back there. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. I grew up poor in Worcester, Massachusetts. And one thing I knew from, you know, nine or 10 years old was that I didn't want to be poor when I grew up. So I started a paper route. And then I started busing tables at diners and then working at fast food restaurants and then waiting tables and then bartending. And really what I was doing over, you know, a 10, 15 year span of time was developing my sales skills. I didn't know it at the time but I was really leaning into how to upsell people, how to get repeat business, how to get great reviews and recommendations of your work. And so I leveraged that experience that I had built since I was a child and I jumped into sales as soon as I graduated college, went to work for the Gallo Winery and was, I moved ahead really quickly my first year there. I was the number one salesperson um, and promoted to brand manager. And then I was sexually harassed at work, and I really was not confident in myself at all back then, so I just resigned. And immediately I I met an individual at an event and pitched myself on coming to work for him, and that ended up being my partner. Um, He brought me on, he owned some radio stations, and brought me on as an equity partner in my early 20s, and he and I purchased a $25 million property in Saginaw, Michigan, and my job was to hit the ground running, and I accelerated revenues in under three years. We sold that property for $55 million, and 
that really put my name on the map in media and around revenue generation. Awesome. So I want to dive back into something that you said, because I think, you know, man, in, in all the businesses I talk with and um, professionals, even, I mean, I think back to my teaching days, coaching days of sales. And I'm a huge, huge believer in sales is something that every person should have to do, be forced to do almost at a young age because of the skills that you learn regarding communication and uh, negotiation and um, dealing with people and reading people. So talk a little bit about um, those first sales skills maybe that you developed along the way. Yeah, like I said, you know, a paper route and working in restaurants was amazing experience to learn how to get repeat customers, how to upsell people, you know, how to get people promoting your business and advocating for you when you're not around sending new clients to you. So, you know, for me, I had over a decade of, of experience seeing what worked, what didn't work, observing, you know, who did well and who didn't. And again, like I said, I didn't know it was sales at the time that I was refining, but I was testing and refining my approach so that when I did hit the ground running uh, in corporate America, when I graduated, I was able to find success in sales really quickly. All right. Well, okay. So you left off, you were in your early twenties, you purchased $25 million property partnered in, um, take us from there then. Yeah, so we sold that property for 55 million with a 30 million net uh, profit to our company. And I moved to Florida to work for a publicly traded company to go after a larger opportunity. This company was much bigger. And I pitched myself for a job that didn't exist, VP of sales, and I was awarded that position. And over the next 14 years, I was promoted a number of times, ultimately reaching the C-suite. I was the chief revenue officer. And as you mentioned, I was named one of the most influential women in radio. And a couple weeks later, I was fired when the CEO I had worked for for 14 years became ill. He elevated his daughter to replace him and she fired me immediately. Oh, and I want you to dive into that because there's uh, (laughs) a give us some detail around how that went down. Actually, the day I got fired. Yep. uh, That was, you know. When you're with a company and you're at the highest level in the company for as long as I was, I had seen many terminations occur. So I wasn't new to what happens at a termination. Basically, what happens in any large corporate entity is they want to protect themselves. So typically what they do is they offer some type of a package for people and it's only given if you sign off on a non-disparaging commitment that you will never speak about your time at the company, you'll never make a disparaging remark about the company or any employees, and that any information you obtain during your tenure there, you will not share with anyone. And, you know, I had seen and been in so many of those meetings that I knew what to expect. However, I didn't know she was firing me that day. I I had, um, you know, done an incredible job during my time there at at the company and Um, I was really taken aback by it. But once I knew that I was getting fired, I became crystal clear that um, I wasn't going to sign that um, non-disparaging agreement. I wasn't going to, basically you have a gag clause put on you. Mm -hmm. And I just thought to myself in that moment, you know, wow, after 14 years, this woman just wants to fire me immediately for no reason. She just told me she no longer needed a chief revenue officer, so she doesn't need me anymore. Uh, which I knew was not true because we were, you know, a decent sized media company. And I just thought, you know, well then, Hey, you, you know, you can do you, but I'm not signing anything. And 
I really, you know, greatly upset her and shocked her that I wouldn't sign the agreement. I, I, you know, I passed on the check and I just decided to roll the dice and, and go to work for myself. Oh, I love it. I love that takes guts. That takes a lot of guts. So back up to that, because usually when you see a situation like that, I mean, especially in corporate business, there's something there in the past. There's a resentment, there's a jealousy, there's a something that has happened that leads to that. Was there, was there any kind of situation like that or? Well, you can never speak to how somebody else feels, right? I don't, I don't believe that's fair, but what I can speak to is I, a year before I was fired, I launched a personal brand and it was aimed to empower others, especially people who didn't feel that they were worthy or maybe came from humble beginnings but I wanted them to know what it takes to get ahead. So I launched my website, heathermonahan.com. I took all of my social handles public. And when I did that, immediately the GC and the CFO called me and they threatened me and they said, you have to shut this down. But I had done my due diligence and I'd seen that Bank of America had C-suite executives that had personal brands and you know they were allowed to do it. So if Bank of America, a company much larger in scale and size and revenue than the company I worked for could do it, why couldn't I? And so I started asking those questions and they hated it. And it really infuriated those two women. And they, they tried everything and anything they could to get me to shut it down. And I spoke to an attorney and my attorney said, you're not doing anything wrong. You know, anyone can sue you for anything. Anyone can fire you for anything, but you're not doing anything wrong. So I just kept moving forward with my concept, my vision of, you know, having a personal brand is smart. And, you know, in the day and age we live in, especially where I was in media, I was showing people how to attract business towards you, how to recruit talent, how to take a new spin on an old industry. And I was leading by example. So I was super proud of what I was doing. And the funny thing is now so many people are doing that. I was definitely the first one in the media world, you know, back when in 2017 or 2016 when I started this. Um, but now there's so many people doing it, which I think is great because they have understood it's a great way to attract business, get leads, and to attract and recruit people um, instead of always being the one having to go out and get them. So when I refused to do that, I definitely upset the GC and the CFO, but I didn't think, I thought over time, they, you know, they wouldn't let emotion get the best of them. Little did I know the CEO was going to become ill and the CFO would become my boss. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you raise a good question, Heather, because I have people ask me about that frequently, about, you know, that dilemma of, do I create my own brand? You know, even though I may be in a leadership position or even in an ownership position of a business, you know, is it going to take away from the, you know, the business that I'm associated with? Um, speak to kind of the positives, benefits of that, because I think there's a lot of people listening that could really take some, take some strong advice from someone that's been there, done that. And obviously you have a, a, a wealth of knowledge around that area. Yeah, you know, here's the misconception. People think they don't already have a personal brand. You do. Everybody has a personal brand. You just probably aren't holding the pen when crafting the narrative. Somebody else is. And by that, I mean, if you walk into a meeting or an industry event and leave and people talk about you, they're talking about your personal brand. That's your reputation, right? That's what people think about you when you're not around. Why not be the one to design and curate that brand and pick the messaging that's going to go out to marketplace so you help to influence 
others in regards to what your messaging is, what you stand for, what you're an expert in and what people can come to you for. So for me, that was, you know, it made all the sense in, in the world. And again, it was a little ahead of where the industry was I was in. And I know a lot of people are concerned with that. However, many industries are light years ahead, right, and have had personal brands for a long time. I truly believe the best investment anyone will make, business owner or employee, is going to be invest in yourself, grab the pen, start telling your own narrative, develop and launch your own personal brand. That will be with you forever, and it's going to be important to you forever, whether you leave the company, stay with the company, you know, what doesn't, that's irrelevant. This is something of inherent value to you, and it does already exist. So take the time to be more strategic about, you know, what that brand says and who, who it's speaking to. Yeah, no truer statement than invest in yourself. There's, yeah, definitely. So what's, is there anything um, that you would change or maybe wish you would have known as you kind of went through this process leading, leading up to it, leading up to getting fired? I guess the only thing I would have done differently is I would have left probably 10 years earlier than when I got fired. You know, I didn't know about the speaking business. I had always been a great speaker and people would always ask me to speak at things. But because of the small bubble I was in, the media world, and nobody pays speakers in the media world, I didn't know anyone paid speakers outside of a media world. So I remember one day giving a speech at a large conference. And someone came up to me after and said, you should do that for a living. And I started laughing and said, oh, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? And, and that was it. I just dropped the concept right there instead of saying, hey, maybe it's just this industry that doesn't pay. And maybe plenty of other industries do pay. But I didn't you know, pursue that concept. I just kind of left it there that that would have been nice, but it doesn't exist. And it wasn't until I wrote and self-published my first book, I Googled, how do you sell books? And it said, speak. <laughs> and so I thought, oh, that's super easy to do. I'll just start cold calling companies and pitch companies on bringing me in to speak. I can sell books in front of anyone. And so I started just leaning into my sales expertise, at cold calling companies. I was getting booked left and right, and I wasn't charging because I didn't know you could. And then about a month into this, you know, I had called hundreds of companies. One of the companies said, sure, we'd love to have you. What's your speaker fee? And when I started researching speaker fees, which I didn't know was a thing, I about fell over. I found out Gary Vaynerchuk was making $300,000 for a 60-minute talk. Yep. And that's when I said, you know what? I'm going the wrong direction here. I'm chasing this book business when the reality is I need to get in the speaking business. I just didn't know previously it was a business. Yeah, and speaking is a hell of a lot of fun, isn't it? I mean, it's a lot of work, right? I'm not going to um, sugarcoat <laughs> yes. it. To, to launch a professional speaking career is not simple. You're, you know, if you're going into, a, like anything, you're going into a new business where you have no contact, you have no familiarity with who are the companies, the industries that pay, what is the window of what your fee should be, what's the most critical things when you give a speech, right? All these things, when you start a new industry, you start as a rookie. Even though I had 25 years experience speaking, I didn't have experience in professional paid speaking, which ends up is very different. How much did your first speaking gig pay? Gosh, I don't well, it started first with travel, right? You know, at first I was doing it for free. Then it was if they would uh, pay for my travel. Then I think it went to $5,000 from there. And then pretty quickly from there, it went to 10. And then it went to 20 very quickly once my TEDx talk came out. Wow. Yep. Yeah, ex extremely lucrative profession, and uh, and like you said, man, it is a lot of work. 
Um, it's ironic that you say that. I literally just posted the other day online um, kind of how I initially started building out keynote talks. I mean, it's, it takes a long time. There's a lot of reflection. For me, one of the most powerful things when I started doing some speaking was going back through my own story and pulling out the pieces from my own story that were relative to the audience, the topic. Um, it was an enormous amount of self-learning, I thought. Absolutely. And like you said, it's about customizing it and putting the work and time in for the specific audience that you're about to deliver for. And that takes a lot. It's very thoughtful process. It takes some time. Yep. All right. So let's pick up then. So we got fired and we're left at a gigantic crossroads. Where did you go next? I posted on social media. Um, I've just been fired and it really hurts. And if I've ever helped you over the last couple of decades, I really need to hear from you today. And that post went viral and it ended up landing me on the Elvis Duran show, which is one of, you know, uh, the largest radio morning shows. And during that interview is when Elvis Duran said to me, well, obviously you're writing a book, but I wasn't, you know, I, I had never thought about everything I ever thought about around my career was sales and sales leadership. And I just never even considered writing a book. But because he believed in me so much in that moment, and he was so confident and, and had such conviction, I decided to accept that idea. And I jumped on a plane and I Googled, how do you write a book? Wow. And that led to the first one, which was Confidence Creator, correct? That's right. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that one. And I'm, and I'm super excited to dive into your new one coming out. But tell us about the first one, Confidence Creator. So the first one I self-published and wrote, and I had no idea what I was doing, but I know that, you know, in any business, you need to have a unique value proposition. You've got to be offering value, value, solving a problem for a specific avatar or audience, and you also have to be unique and different versus what's out there. So to me, I had seen a lot of business books on how to, you know, how to succeed in business, how to make it to the C-suite, how to, you know, run a successful company. But I didn't find those books relatable. And then I had seen a lot of, you know, more self-help books, which I found to be interesting and helpful, but I didn't, I didn't relate to the people. And that's when I decided there's not a lot of books out there that are written by people who have made it in corporate America to the C-suite, you know, to the top and are willing to share the low moments of how hard and challenging it can be and what you might have done wrong or, or right. So still have the teachings and the lessons, but do it in more of a relatable story of those low moments. So my book ended up becoming a compilation of my lowest moments in my life and in my business and how I leverage those moments to create confidence and find success. And so that was a little bit unique and different versus what was out there at the time. And, um, and the book ended up doing really well. What was the hardest part about writing that, you know, as a first time author, you know, I think everybody wants to write a book or everybody dreams of writing a book. And then when it comes down to actually doing it, executing it, it's really, really hard so what was the what was i don't i don't know that it's hard (laughs) writing a book is not hard i'll I'll tell people that writing a book especially if you self-publish that is not hard especially when you self-publish you're the boss you're in charge right here's where i i was faced with a difficult decision which was not easy but it wasn't hard was i decided i made a bad decision I decided to send it to my family two weeks before it was going to come out. No one (laughs) knew I had a book coming out. No one. That's that's just just a a that's just a stick of dynamite, Heather, right there. Well, I want to share with others. I want people to know this: when you have an ambition, an idea, a concept, and you're creating, 
first of all, it's always easier to criticize than it is to create, right? So if you're going to open up that door looking for valid, you want them to validate, oh, this is wonderful, then you're not really standing behind it. And, and that's where I went wrong. I shouldn't have been asking others to give me um, proof of concept or, or, or say, yes, we agree to this. It was my concept. I created it, right? So that was my error number one. Check in with the one voice that counts when you're creating anything, and that's your own. If you believe in what you're doing and why you're doing it, then you need to move forward. I didn't do that. Um, I sent it to my family two weeks before it came out looking for some level of approval, and I didn't get it. And so, you know, I nearly trashed the book at that point. And luckily, I, I made a very smart decision before I trashed the book. I called my editor, and he had written 19 books. And I said to him, I talked to my family. My mother and my sister don't want me to release the book. My sister told me I'm going to get sued, and she's a lawyer. So I think I have to trash the book. And he said, Heather, how many books have I written? I said, 19. He said, do you think anyone's ever told me I shouldn't write a book? I said, I don't know. Have they? He said, of course they have. He said, but I decide to talk to people who have written books. He said, how many books have, have your family members written? And I said, none. And that was, you know, the point that he made to me is that, okay, I think you should probably listen to someone who's written 19 books, not someone who's written zero. Mm -hmm. And it taught me this lesson that while others in your life might love you and care for you and worry about you, those are their fears and their beliefs. It has nothing to do about your mission and what you're doing. You can choose to access information from people who have been where you're attempting to go. And that was the day I decided I'm no longer going to take direction and advice from people who haven't been where I'm going. Oh, so, so true. And isn't it, here's the thing I've always found ironic is when you open up to your, the most vulnerable part of yourself and deepest part of yourself, isn't it funny how family typically, this is what I found. You can, you can sure chime in, but family are the ones that react the most explosively to it. I have found. They can. I mean, I think it's different for everybody, but there definitely are people in your inner circle who aren't going to be in your corner for every initiative you're going to have in your life. And that's okay. That doesn't mean they're bad people. Mm -hmm. It just means they have different perspectives. They have different concerns and they have different fears. And, and that's okay. They're entitled to their opinions, their thoughts and their feelings. But you have to find that certainty within yourself that regardless of what the rest of the world is telling you, you're going to move forward with your initiative and you know why you're doing it. All right. So what's what's the biggest piece that you can share with the audience around confidence? What were your biggest, what have been your biggest takeaways, your learnings when it comes to that? So the number one thing for me was fire your villain. That day that woman thought she had fired me, I had just fired my villain. And when I look back on the trajectory of success that I've had as an entrepreneur in just over three years, you know, it's been massive. And, and I think the biggest change and best decision was removing a negative person from my life who had been trying to hold me back for years. You know, I had tried to ignore that for a while. And I think that was really letting a lot of negativity into my life, into my own head. And the minute I removed that woman from my life, everything started changing for me. Awesome. And that leads me right into the next book, obviously. So the, the title like we said earlier, is overcome your villains, mastering your beliefs, actions, and knowledge to conquer any adversity. So how does this play? Give us kind of the tie of you went from confidence, uh, confidence creator, into kind of that next step of not just building confidence, but now really 
the next step is, like you said, overcoming the villains. What are what are the big takeaways from from your newest book? So my new book is all about a proven three-step process that I've created that anyone can employ in their personal life or in business to guarantee they can overcome adversity that they face. One of the things that I've realized is, you know, I, I I've faced so much adversity but I found ways to always overcome it. And when I sat down and really decided to map it out, I was able to clearly see a repeatable process that that's what I had been doing. I just hadn't realized it. And I'm so grateful for my new book because now anytime I am faced with a really challenging situation, I stop and I say, oh, you've got a challenge. Okay, stop. Let's break out the process and let's go right now. Let's break down the three-step process and go through it. And every time I do, I immediately lower my anxiety. I immediately lower my fear and I reconnect with what my own inner voices and my own answers and I start taking action and I move through it. And, and it's, I'm so excited for this book. This book I did not self-publish. I did this book with HarperCollins Leadership. It has been, you know, we've worked on this book all throughout the pandemic and it has been a labor of love. It's definitely working with a traditional publisher is much more intensive and much more work than self-publishing a book because you have teams of people and teams of experts weighing in and, you know, everything is just much slower in the longer process, but I'm really hopeful that this book comes out that, that much better as a result. Awesome. And it comes out in, is it November? It comes out November 9th, but I just launched my pre-order initiative because of course I found out something that I didn't know before with my first book, you need to pre-sell books in order to have the book succeed. Mm -hmm. So what I did is in sales, we all know this, if you want someone to buy now, you either have to give them something to pull the trigger or have that fear of loss saying, I'm going to pull something away if you don't, if you don't buy now, right? So you're either giving more or taking something away to get people to make that purchase. For me, I thought to, I wanted to add value. I wanted to so over deliver on the value add that I would give to people to get them to pre-order now ahead of time that I decided when people pre-order my book, if you go to overcomeyourvillains.com and you enter your purchase number there, you immediately download my Overcome Your Villains workbook so you can get to work immediately on the three-step process. You immediately download my $299 confidence video course you immediately get access to my daily email program to hold you accountable to achieving your goals. You will get the first four chapters of the book before anybody else gets them, before the book comes out, and you'll get a bonus chapter that I've written since I wrote the book. Awesome. Can you walk us through just high level the first, the three steps? You mentioned the three-step process in just overcoming adversity. Walk us through those if you would. Sure. It's, it's all through belief, actions, and knowledge. And the process is repeatable, it's proven, it will not fail you. All you need to do is go back to the process and keep working it. And it's been a game changer for me. And I just know it's going to be a game changer for everybody else. All right. Belief, actions, and knowledge. Can you walk us through those one at a time? Well, I'm not going to get HarperCollins has me under contract, so I can't get into okay. the whole process. But what I can tell you is that, you know, it, I have met with hundreds of people and coached hundreds of people over the last year. And I tested my process on everyone I worked with and it's worked every single time. So it truly is a fail proof, powerful, repeatable process that anyone can implement. I don't care if you're a child, you're an adult, you're in business or you're in your personal situation as a stay at home mom, 
it's irrelevant. This can be applied to your life to help you overcome any adversity. And one thing's for sure with the last year we've lived through, we know there's more challenges coming. We just don't know what they are yet. So why not set yourself up to overcome whatever it is? All right. Love it. Yeah, everybody listening, make sure you check that out. Uh, like Heather mentioned, overcomeyourvillains.com. Uh, make sure you uh, take part in the pre-sale and the book coming out um, November 9th this year. So uh, quick question for you, Heather. Biggest learning experience through the journey thus far? If you could share one or two nuggets of the biggest things you've learned on your path, your journey up until now, what would they be? I'd say don't give up to too soon. You know, that's probably one of the bigger ones for me because there's been countless times I've thought about, you know, hanging it up and I, I haven't been able to break through whether, you know, I couldn't land a TEDx talk for a year. And I just thought, you know, that's really important with speaking and how am I going to make it as a big speaker if I don't get this? Maybe I'm not meant to be doing this, right? You know, self-doubt has crept in uh, numerous times over the last three years. And I've questioned, should I give up and go back to corporate America and start over? and reconnecting with my why, why am I doing this, you know, and, and, and really holding myself accountable to, I don't know how close I am. And every time I have that discussion with myself, a breakthrough will come through. So just so often I see people who want to do something different. They, you know, want to go for the promotion. They want to buy the company. They want to go on their own, but they give up too soon. So I would just say, you know, really tune into yourself, listen to you, believe in the vision that you have for your future and be relentless in pursuing it. Yep, I love it. Yeah, I'm a huge believer in the, the only difference between people that make it and don't make it are those that are willing to keep pushing and those that end up quitting. Like you said, shortly before you get there, because I, I completely agree. I think so many people quit in that moment right before they are about there. You know, if you think of it as, as the hill, you know, you're at the very, very top of the hill. It's the hardest point. All you got to do is finish it, those last, that last little distance. And it's super, super hard. People quit and they don't know what's right over the top. So, so true. Okay. Last question for you, Heather. Biggest area of self-improvement for you? What are, where are I guess getting to know myself. Self-awareness has been a really, a really big thing. I used to, when I was in corporate America, I would always put my head down and focus on the task at hand. I never really picked my head up to say, okay, what are my goals? I always focus on the company goals, the quarterly goals, the monthly goals, the, you know, I've got to get these evaluations done. I never picked my head up to say, where do I want to go in the future? What are my visions and goals? I just focused on the actual job and task at hand. And that was really limiting for myself. You know, I'm so grateful now that I'm in a position where I ask myself, of course, I ask myself about revenues and goals and targets and quarterly and annual revenues. But I also ask myself, you know, am I happy with what am I doing? How can I innovate and do things differently? What will bring me more joy? You know, what, what makes sense and resonates with me and what doesn't? So I'm constantly trying to become more self-aware and set goals for me, not just for business. Yeah. How do you, how do your values play into that? Because I think that's such a big one, Heather. You know, when I talk with people, business leaders, when I've done one-on-one -on -one coaching with people, I talk a ton around values. You know, when you look at your calendar, look at where you spend your time, look at who you're hanging out with, look at if you're fulfilled, you're happy, you're balanced. I always find that people are out of alignment with their values. Yeah. I don't know. Balance to me is kind of, I believe it's elusive in that, for example, my son broke his arm this past week. I put everything else went on hold and I found flights. I found rental cars. I found hotels and I left and just went to my son. 
there are going to be needs and issues. And now my book launch is coming. When that happens, when the book launches, everything goes to the book, right? There's moments in business and in life where it isn't about bounds, in my opinion. It's about going where your heart needs you to be. And you'll know those things are going to ebb and flow and communicating clearly with everyone in your life about, you know, what your priorities are, about what your goals are, and about the support that you need so that you can execute on, on them. Because for me, I've never seen a perfect balance where I'm at work, you know, X amount of hours, I'm with my son X amount of hours, and it checks a box. It hasn't been that way for me because um, in business, as you know, there's intense moments, and then there's moments where you're not needed as much, and you can really take advantage of that time and spend time with your family. Yeah, I agree. Balance, uh, balance shifts. You know, like you said, there's times where there's times where you go, go, go. There's times where you pull back. And then there's times where you just kind of um, with direction kind of float back and back and forth as needed, I think. So. All right. All right, Heather. Well, I know you are an extremely busy gal. Um, so we're going to wrap this one up. But I definitely want to thank you. Uh, you bring up some phenomenal points around uh, the whole piece around confidence, you know, dealing with adversity. Uh, I love the last part you touched on of just the self-awareness piece because I think that is so important for for anybody and really in really helping find themselves and and like you said in your new book coming out um, find the villains you know find the things in your life the people whatever it may be that you really need to let go of uh, because until you do they're gonna they're definitely going to hold you down so where can our listeners oh, so uh, find you and follow you Heather. So I'm at Heather Monahan on all social media. As you said, my podcast is Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan, and my new website where you can pre-order and get the VIP bonus bundle now immediately. You don't have to wait. It's overcomeyourvillains.com. All right. Absolutely. Check it out, you guys. Uh, like she said, ton of freebies, some great stuff on there. So, Heather, thanks again. Greatly appreciate you hopping on here. Thanks for having me. You bet. So with that, uh, everybody, don't forget to follow me on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, and Facebook at Patrick Metzger Coaching. Uh, thanks so much for tuning into the episode. Uh, fantastic one with Heather here. Be sure to subscribe to, rate the podcast. Uh, as you know, show notes, you can find them on my website, patrick-metzger.com. And share the podcast with somebody that you feel can benefit from, uh, from the topics today around confidence and overcoming your villains. So until next time, I want to remind everybody to own you and the journey. <laughs>